Welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody here today to finally talk to you. Uh, our season uh, wrap impressions for season two of Luke Cage. I, I know there's been some of you asking out there on social media, when are you going to get to it? When are you going to get to it? We just had so much to cover coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. There was so much news. Iron Fist, surprise, September season two premiere. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, surprise, season two coming even earlier than you thought. Spring of 2019. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., surprise. Clark Gregg returns as a director. So much coming out, so many podcasts there to to get out to you, but now finally here to talk about some Luke Cage. Yeah, all due respect to our SDCC peeps, you know, we we uh, we have yet to attend. Uh, you know, normally uh, we sit, we have an hour, maybe hour and 15 minute podcast where we cover everything. No, Pete, we have had SDCC coverage every day since I think Saturday. <laughs> I know that yes. by the time this current run ends, you're listening to this Luke Cage episode on Thursday. We're doing Cloak and Dagger. I was beat so many shows, I almost got lost there. Cloak and Dagger on Friday. Friday will be the ninth consecutive day of podcasts. So we appreciate the patience here for Luke Cage, who has who has been our steady companion these many weeks and whose season two we wrap up now. Pete, where should we start? You want to start Lucy Liu directing the first episode? You want to talk Chihuahari Coker, making sure that each episode is named after a Pete Rock and CL Smooth song? <laughs> where do you want to start? I want to start with, I think, a more solid overall season than that first season, and I think that's saying something. I saw a great quote, and apologies to whatever fancy critic who wrote it, because uh, I, I, know, I saw it like two hours ago and just stuck with me, but there was the observation that this season may have had slow points the way the other season did the way oh uh, did they say it matt did they say it pardon me they, they this critic wrote uh, words the effect of though there might have been slow points this season um because this was a season that was about the personalities and not about a kind of logistical conflict that meant that when you slowed down in an episode you just dug deeper into the personality and I kind of had this moment where I said, I completely agree with that. Never was there an episode where it was like, oh, man, come on. This whole, you know, heroin distribution ring to find the washer that gets to the machine that does the this, the that. I don't care. If we slow down, we're going to get to know this character. We're going to get to know that character. We're really going to, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk more about that, that, uh, that organ that cotton mouth left or things like that where you don't kind of sit and go, all right, you're just kind of wasting time here. You feel the feels about these characters. So they, they didn't say the B word, did they? Uh, what was the B word? Bloat. Netflix bloat. Uh, I mean, I think they were referring to that. And I, I, Pete, I wish more shows did what, we saw in the last year with star trek discovery heck pete what we saw with luke cage season one which is to have a clearly delineated uh, first, you know, first second half, half second half or whatever it is pods you know thirds fifths whatever you want to call it i i think there's a there's such a 
wealth of production opportunities, particularly in the Netflix end, where I think it's just kind of rubber stamping. Uh, sure, do 13 episodes and, you know, quick, give me your half hour pitch meeting. Okay, it's this, it's that, the other, great, next, 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 as opposed to you could be a little more innovative. But all of that, I think, washes away in this season that, that you know, once again, the show run by Chihodari Coker, where we dug into personalities. Yeah, and I think the way they handled it, too, in terms of, you know, Alfre Woodard's Mariah uh, being the big bad um, and Bushmaster uh, here, the, the secondary, but simultaneous as opposed to we're going to do one and, and do the other. And obviously they do away with one by season's end and they've kept another in play who the feeling is fairly certain we're going to see in a season three, we still haven't gotten a renewal to this point. We haven't. And, you know, there's always the, there's the internal renewals, then there's the PR renewals. So I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried that a renewal is in hand. The only mild kind of, you know, world of Hollywood concern I might have is, you know, does the Disney Fox thing play any role? Netflix has already said no. Okay. I mean, short of Netflix saying, uh, you know what? Um, pardon me, short of Disney Marvel saying, uh, you know what, Netflix? Uh, give us all our Netflix Marvel stuff back. Uh, you want Planet of the Apes? Because we'll just swap rights. You know, short of something like that happening, I think it's just going to be business as usual moving forward. Um, and, you know, the renewal will happen when it happens. Maybe New York Comic Con, Pete's never, you know, the one con has ended. It's not too late to look to the next next great con. I listen, and we'll be there to bring it to you. In terms of the season, and again, I, I think, and I think we're in agreement, overall a, a stronger season in season two than season one. Not that season one wasn't good, Um but I, I think there were some issues of balance, particularly in the second half. Uh, I found the stronger episodes um, in this season in the second half, particularly I want to point to episodes 9, 10, and 11. Nine for Pete's sake, where we get the disclosure about um, Mariah's daughter, Tilda, uh, being the product of uh, her uh, abuse. Um, from Uncle Pete, uh, episode 10, the main ingredient, the, the big Iron Fist team up we've always wanted to see. And then episode 11, the creator, that's the flashback to Jamaica and the Bushmaster origin story. I, I certainly very much uh, enjoyed the presence there of, uh, of Iron Fist. I don't want to I don't want to linger on it greatly to give, to give this notion of, oh man, Pete, Iron Fist saved the season. You know, it was nothing quite like that. Uh, do have to mention in that episode, though, we also got our Turk Barrett cameo. So that's always well, more than the cameo. We got our Turk Barrett tip of the hat. Um, I was a little less enthused by the Bushmaster flashback episode. The creator just, I don't know, for me, it was like there was a little bit of a conceit to show young everybody um, for whatever reason, it just didn't click for me. Not a major criticism. Are you telling me that you hadn't watched 10 episodes and been like, you know, I wonder what Sheldon was like as a child, as a, as a young man. Nope. 
Um, but I mean, you speak of Sheldon, it, it's some of these supporting characters, and I would even say some of the supporting stories that I think really, uh, really helped flesh out this season. Again, whether it's under this, under this umbrella of, you know, in slow moments, they went to character as opposed to kind of slow plot turns. You completely buy Sheldon as the number two guy. You buy his motives. Uh, I mean, similar with the uh, with the Jamaican restaurant restaurant there. It's a place that they kept visiting, kept visiting until it felt familiar. But at no point did you feel like, oh man, they want us to be really clear that there's a mom with a bassinet in the corner and there's an old man. Well, what bad shall happen here? There was just a there was an authenticity to luke cage's harlem that that felt just so so integral to this season oh i can't agree more and and just the way that uh i think harlem's paradise was used to even greater effect in this season you know kind of felt like in the first season which again i really really liked but that they kind of stuck a music video into several episodes and it was far more organic this time around in terms of how they did that uh agree with the possible exception of the last the last uh, music video uh you know where you have uh, tilda on the organ overlooking all the uh all the different storylines but i mean with that aside i mean it was I mean, Pete, with everything else, you get to have music video type moments when you have an actual stage. So, you know, whether it's D-Nice, whether it's Mr. C, DJ Mr. C, I should say, pardon me, whether it's Ghostface Killa, Faith Evans, etc. Of course, there's the opportunity for them to show up and that, you know, that too kind of adds a level of uh, of authenticity and frankly, just a cool factor. You know, I don't, Pete, I'll admit, I don't know that I was, uh, I mean, heck, we even talked about it on the podcast. I was, I was exposed to krs1 this season and you know what i'm a better person for it hard to imagine i mean you mentioned the cool factor i'm on record as having said i've never felt more cool watching a tv show than watching the first season with this season it wasn't so much cool that i just felt like between the jamaican influence between uh what Mariah was attempting to do, uh, it wasn't so much as cool. It was just a different type of look. I mean, the fingerprints of social media are all over this season, the Harlem's Hero app and uh, how Iron Fist tracks down Luke using it and and just that that he's big time now, whereas before... Harlem was allowed to be its own thing. And here in this season, it kind of felt squeezed a little bit, which is was an interesting way. It, it, it felt like it was trying to conform to someone's idea of it. I, I guess Mariah's. I think, too, insofar as we, the audience, are seeing Harlem in a large degree through Luke Cage's eyes, his world is a whole lot smaller now. I mean, to think that when we first met him, there was all this backstory and the skin and the prison and on the run and all that, but he was just running a bar, uh, to then now, you know, now be tracked on this app a handful of years later. 
uh, I'm assuming it's a handful of years later, you know, as with always, we assume the Marvel chronology is, uh, is, uh, you know, kind of concurrent to our chronology, except when the time gem is in play and we still don't know about Spider-Man Homecoming and Pete, it's all too much back to Luke Cage. Um, so I think that there was that too, that everywhere he goes, he is known. So it's, it's a smaller world for him. Yeah. And at the same time, his world is opened up in such a way. I mean, I think of the Piranha story um, and, you know, making personal appearances and uh, all the drama that came out of that that resulted in failure for Luke. Um, so much of this season for him is defined by failure, his inability to keep Claire in his life, uh, his inability to end uh, things with Bushmaster after the atrocities he committed, his inability to see things through with Mariah. Mariah is killed in police custody and never truly brought to any kind of official justice. Um, and, and then, you know, Luke is saddled with Harlem's paradise by the end of the season. And I think that's a point where, I still find myself a little perplexed by how the season ended. And I certainly don't, I don't need Luke Cage to be this, uh, you know, Superman type boy scout where always doing the right thing at all times. We certainly have seen him be fallible. We've seen him be lustful, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But this notion of now he owns the club and the show really, committing might be a strong word but the the show really suggesting there really is this seductive quality and he's bathed in the red light there he's going bad and he's turning away claire who who might be turned away for you know contract issues or rosario dawson was off another project or whatever but like he's not even going to see her he's you know it's it's luke cage going bad i will i'll be interested to see where they take things whether that gets picked up in one of the other shows, whether we see next see Luke Cage in Defenders 2 or Luke Cage Season 3, whatever it's going to be. Um, I just, to me, I didn't quite get why this basically stand-up guy who's made a couple of mistakes along the way, but somebody who's always looking out for what's right, why now he's, you know, now he's the boss man in the three-piece suit and watch out. Given the recent comic history between he and Jessica Jones and something we've had a little bit of uh, in Jessica Jones and then in the Defenders, I think they're obviously destined to reconnect and they'll go down that storyline of them being together and and having a child. I I really do think that's going to happen. I don't think it was right to go to that right away. Uh, so I think Claire has, has kind of moved past this because of that eventual story concern and, you know, the demand that um, Rosario Dawson is under right now. Uh, that's her career move, whether or not she can make time for Marvel Netflix, the Clark Greg of that, though she is. Um, but. You know, it's funny. We had the season drop on June 22nd. We're recording this on July 25th. Um, The last couple of renewals have seemed to happen by the time that we're doing a season wrap. We don't have anything to this point. 
Um, but we've got the next season on deck, the one that we didn't think was going to come out first. We we were thinking Daredevil season three would be the next one out. I have to imagine Luke is name checked in Iron Fist season two. We know that Misty Knight is in it um, and, and will be featured prominently. How many episodes? We're not quite sure at this point. OK, who knows by the time we get to Daredevil and Punisher or do they do Punisher and then Daredevil? What have you? Jessica Jones has been greenlit for a third season. Does Luke show up there and they attempt to, you know, further go into his story with what's going on? I think there's a lot of options on the table right now, and I think they've certainly mixed things up to make it unpredictable. I think that's one of the things that this season really bore out uh, as fun as it was to have you know, Power Man and the Iron Fist together this uh, this season. We nonetheless had Jessica Hennick, uh, of course, as Colleen Wing. Pete, we had we had uh, Stephen Ryder as Blake Tower show up there at the end. So this this crossover element is something that's happening more and more. And I think not just for reasons of oh man, we got Power Man and the Iron Fist for legit story reasons. And I think that as much as the the separate story spaces are are appreciated i think i don't know we we want people to team up and have adventures together but that's the bottom line whereas in the first season we dealt with luke and coming back from pop's murder and everything like that and ultimately winding up in jail um this season i think knocking him down off his pedestal was very important. You know, he's riding high at the beginning of the season. His, his father who's returned to his life narrates the, the soul brother number one sermon and talks about how, you know, everything's coming up roses for him. And then to get just absolutely sucker punched by Bushmaster, somebody that I know I talked about as we did the episodes we might root for under different circumstances. Pete Bushmaster is in certain respects, one of the best villains perhaps that Marvel TV has produced period. And that is because we are so sympathetic to him, his homeland by and large, certainly for you and I, but I think by and large for the listener, his homeland is not ours, but you can very easily, particularly when you get that whole, the whole, it's not quite a flashback, but when he's giving context of the occupation that Jamaica experienced under the British, Pete, to these American ears, throwing off British occupation is something that we're a bit sympathetic towards. And if that is his kind of central motivation there, not just what can I do for my people today, but to put it in context of that, that, you know, that occupying colonial force of course you're sympathetic to that in this day and age. I'm mean, hopefully you are. Otherwise I'm not quite sure where you're getting out of, out of this season, but um, it's, you can understand his struggle so much better. And though I didn't love how he kind of left town with his tail between his legs and barely alive, I like that we could return to him. And I hope that we return to him in a season or two or whenever, perhaps as an ally. In a post black Panther world, I think that his story draws even more sympathy um, from the perspective of the villain. I mean, you look at Killmonger and how people reacted to him and, 
you know, his statement upon being uh, defeated, you know, bury me in the sea with the other slaves that refused to go to the colonies. And here, uh, you know, Johnny MacIver, Bushmaster, unapologetic in terms of what he wanted to do, uh, send these ill-gotten gains back to the island to, uh, to help the brethren. He wanted to receive the success from that, that, you know, age old dream, the American success story, the success that he felt had been stolen from him, not just in some vague moral sense, but in a real sense with that, with that contract of sorts on the cocktail napkin. Um, and, and I think that's a very, very universal story. And I really credit, I credit the whole production and Shio Hodari Coker in particular for giving us a bad guy. That's not just like, sorry, Tony, I want to make your weapons even more weapony or things like that, where he's the hero of somebody else's story and he could be the hero of our story too. And then you move from Mustafa Shakir to Alfrey Woodard and just her tour de force performance in this season soup to nuts matt you know running harlem and then running her life right into the ground yeah i think it's that's a situation where it's a character who we could have been sympathetic to you know whether you want to go back to the first season or even much of the public face philanthropic stuff this season so much of it admirable but you know, it's that age-old "fly too close to the sun" or "reach for the reach for the the golden hoop," whatever metaphor serves you. She wanted it all, and in that process, lost everything. Yeah, and I think, you know, between her performance and that of Theo Rossi as uh, Hernan Shades Alvarez in this second season, and where he's able to take the character still standing by the time the season ends, you know, we just found such dramatic heights yeah we absolutely did and you know, again this is a show that i think to a certain degree perhaps better than the other marvel netflix shows really does find a, a space for all of these characters where you feel that they are fully fleshed and not just the misties and shades of the world. I mean, if you think of Cockroach, if you think of Bobby Fish, who's in, you know, Ron Cephas Jones, just in one or two episodes uh, this season, probably because of his, you know, his explosive career now. Comanche, uh, you mentioned Piranha before. Uh, I mean, these are all, these are all characters that feel like they are stars of their own shows somewhere. I mean, Pete, would you watch, you know, Ben Donvan, Attorney at Law? Uh, I mean, would depend on it. I I think you'd need some uh, Turk Barrett there, Rob Morgan. <laughs> and just as a quick aside, I don't know if you saw Matt. I know you read the trades every single day. Uh, Rob Morgan just announced as um, a presence in season three of This Is Us. I mean, can't be happier for him. Still, fingers crossed, you, you hope he can squeeze in. I mean, let's see, Daredevil's probably in the can, you know, Iron Fist probably in the can. Just hope he can continue to squeeze in these cameos. Um, but great to see his career, you know, taking off. He's been working for forever, and here he's been around uh, high-profile stuff, including uh, Stranger Things and, and all the uh, all the, the Marvel Netflix stuff. Mudbound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
these are all characters that are so fully formed that that you know it's difficult to say goodbye to some of them to know that to know that Co- Pete we're never going to see cockroach again because his head isn't attached to his body anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd say another highlight for me was to get the scarf flashbacks. Frank Whaley, somebody who I've enjoyed since the mid '90s. I know I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. The movie that nobody has seen called Swimming with Sharks, where it's him and this this uh, other actor uh, who who uh, you know was on the way up. Uh, I, th- I think Frank Whaley might actually have top billing, but uh, it's him and <clears throat> Kevin Spacey. Where uh, you know, it, Swimming with Sharks is a great movie about. The rough and tumble, rough and tumble world of Hollywood and writing and all that, and to get him back here, again seamless. They did not need to reach at all to bring back a dead character. It was just there he is, he's back, and and even he gets that little arc. He's a bad cop, but he's doing it for the right reasons. But he's a bad cop, and then now he's crying his son and this and that the other, and that's all wrapped. That's all one episode, I think. Right, it's just this little package yeah. of scarf integrated fairly organically into misty's recollections as she's contemplating uh framing a cockroach and then obviously it leads her to the discovery of his uh dismemberment well pete as you mentioned lately these shows seem to get renewed within the one month or, or or so mark i'll just point out that for whatever it's worth all the way back when Luke Cage season one first premiered uh, that dropped towards the end of uh, September 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, And then the season two renewal was December 2016 for, you know, put together the writing room and then it was filming the following summer. Here we are the summer after that. So, I mean, Pete, I would be shocked if we get to Halloween Thanksgiving and we haven't updated this feed to say, Hey, they've been renewed for season three. I think it's a foregone conclusion. I really do. Uh, the way that Marvel, particularly under Netflix, is producing content right now. I mean, we do this every single day. Uh, and you hear the podcast every couple of days that we were taken aback by the Iron Fist announcement tells you they really made an unorthodox move there. So it stands to reason between daredevil punisher jessica jones another defenders uh come back to luke cage you know around the old wheel uh it's going to happen it's just a question of when well pete we could not wrap up the season without checking the mailbag one more time what do you have rattling around in there a review for us on itunes courtesy of aka frank castle And its uh, headline reads, Haters Gone Hate. Five stars. Uh, Hey guys, it's your boy, a.k.a. Frank Castle from Jersey, but now residing in Philly. Just wanted to drop by and give a five-star rating. Whoever left a one-star review should be deported to FL. Well, anyways, I wanted to say this season of Luke Cage was really, really good. At this point, I expect nothing less from Marvel TV. So many exciting new characters, as well as deep insight into some old characters. This year is the year of great Marvel villains, from Killmonger to Thanos, and now them call him Bushmaster. What a performance by the entire cast. 
I'm a 37 year old black man who grew up in Harlem in my early years. So to see so many people of color and all the cultural references displayed on this show is what society needs right now. You guys do an amazing job on all that you podcast. Keep up the good work. You guys are the dub nation of the MCU podcasts. P.S. Any chance you guys doing Gifted or Legion? It'll be in the MCU soon. Just waiting <laughs> for Fox to sign those papers. Hashtag last scene in the Goonies. Well, always a pleasure to hear uh, from that particular listener. Pete, I, that's, uh, that's the same guy who goes on Twitter as, uh, as DJ Black. So yes. kind words, always appreciated. Pete, I think he has us there. You know, once that Fox deal closes, we might have to loop back around to, uh, to Gifted and, uh, and, um, and Legion. I know uh, I have not seen any of, uh, of the Gifted. I saw the first episode of, uh, of Legion. Would have liked to see more, just kind of got busy. And I know kind of for our end, it's like, I think we'd love to podcast both shows, but then there's always something that's either Star Trek or Marvel or go to the movies or whatever it is. But Pete, we'll make the time once there's the great, the great happening, the great unsnapping, <laughs> whatever it is. All of a sudden, when when Thanos is reversed, and all of a sudden they go, "Oh man, uh, Spider Man, you're back," and and who's your incredibly rock covered thing friend? What's going on here? You know, then we'll have to reassess everything. But we're we're not saying a no. We're just saying we're sticking it on the cork board for just a little bit later. I did back of the envelope math with matt off mic um the other day just to give you a perspective so uh in 2018 before this podcast drops today uh we've updated our website 86 times with content um for all of 2017 there were 131 updates so we're on pace to surpass that yet again as we steam towards the fifth anniversary of uh fantastic geek informality in september of this year uh but i did back in the envelope math and i already had 85 podcasts between the iron fist date and sometime later next spring into the summer and that did not include star trek discovery which is you know, we love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but but that is our absolute labor of love. Um, you know, that's Matt's first love and it's my second language. So, uh, yeah, we could not do it without listeners like uh, a.k.a. Frank Castle. I'm just so, uh, you know, blown away by the praise there. Uh, thank you, you know, for for two uh, Caucasian gentlemen uh, to, to be given the praise by someone of color about a show of color. You know, I spent significant time in Harlem in graduate school and just so grateful for the experiences I had there and how much Chio Hadari Coker's show for me brings me back to those experiences. It, it's really like a, a little piece of coming home to, you know, days in my early twenties. 
while we keep going, Pete, with all this stuff and this entire season made possible by the listeners, made possible by that continued conversation we've been having with everybody about this really solid, really wonderful season of Luke Cage. Of course, also kept buoyed by our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, we are on a pace, Pete. We're, we're probably going to hit close to one gigabytes worth of audio by the time this month is over in one and uh, in, in less than a week. Is that an all-time high? It's not quite an all-time high, but it's going to be darn close. December, January was was really busy, uh, and again, just back of the uh, envelope here, a little bit more than that. Okay, so in November and December, we had 19 updates each. Uh, we'll hit 19 with this one, so I would say we're on a record-breaking pace for this month and if not for those people on patreon we just have no place to put this we'd have to be just i don't know yelling into the wind or something like that (laughs) no one wants that (laughs) so thank you once again one and all for listening for the support for the emails for the tweets for the facebooks etc pete as we kind of await season three how can people be in touch with you you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-9900. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,927 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Leave a comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. And please share that out. Get other people to like it. Spread it around here. This is the way you help us grow. We will, of course, update the Luke Cage feed the moment we know more about the character, whether it's appearing in Defenders, Iron Fist, Daredevil, more Luke Cage, whatever it might be. The party is going to continue on the Pop Culture Podcast, Pete, tomorrow with Cloak and Dagger. And then I propose we not podcast stuff for the rest of the weekend, which, of course, means, let's see, probably Saturday or Sunday they're going to announce more Luke Cage. We'll get to podcast more stuff again. Right. Or Daredevil Date or Runaways or whatever. We're anxious and ready for all of it. Well, with that, Pete, I will say adios for the season and give you the final season two word. Where'd I put my nightshade?